We are going to energize the country. Stop Brexit. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Seamus and not sure this is a great idea. Order! Hello and welcome to the Debated Podcast. I'm your host, Will. Uh, In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by the Liberal Democrats' prospective parliamentary candidate for Whitney, Charlotte Hoagland. Welcome to the podcast, Charlotte. Well, thank you, Will, for having me. It's a great honour. Thank you. Thank you. It's a great honour to have you on. Uh, Firstly, I'd like uh, to ask, the seat that you're standing in, Whitney, has been held by the Conservatives for more or less since its creation in 1983. How confident are you of winning the seat for the Liberal Democrats? Well, I'm very confident because, um, you know, uh, this is a Remain constituency, but the current uh, MP, or he was an MP until obviously the dissolution uh, of Parliament, um, he is an extreme Brexiteer, ERG, Mm. European Research Group. Uh, He voted to leave, but and therefore he's not representing this constituency that voted to Remain. Mm. Um, now, there has been uh, some recent talk on the Liberal Democrats' position. Uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before, Lily Moran, who was standing in a, a constituency not that uh, far from your own, uh, said that it might be better for the Liberal Democrats to focus on a, a second referendum rather than uh, the position uh, the party has been um, espousing recently of simply revoking Article 50. Which do you think would be a better position to focus on? A referendum or just direct uh, revoking of Article 50? Well, I I agree with Leila Moran. I think, uh, really, we need to put it back to the people. We should have a people's vote. Instead of having this general election, we should have been having a people's vote. Mm. Uh, Do you think that then uh, perhaps... The, the the fact that there has been some sort of like uh, speculation over whether the Liberal Democrats should be a revoke party or whether they should be uh, a, a party of a referendum has perhaps muddied the waters in terms of where the general public uh, feel that the Liberal Democrats are going in their reaction to Brexit. Um, it probably has muddied the waters a bit, and I think that's unfortunate. Uh, because when Joe said revoke Article 50, I think um, that was on the assumption that she was going to be the prime minister of this yeah. country. Um, and while that would be wonderful, um, I think now she's sort of realized that she's not going to be the prime minister of this country. Uh, but even in the opposition, what I think we can do if we have a sort of progressive remain alliance, that we can get enough votes through the House of Commons to have another referendum. Mm. And uh, the Remain Alliance has been something that the uh, Liberal Democrats and other uh, parties that support Remain have been uh, pushing for a while. Do you think that it's been detrimental that the Labour Party hasn't joined that alliance? I do. I think it's very unfortunate. I mean, even here locally, we reached out to uh, the Labour Party. I know members of my party did. And, uh, you know, to try to figure out some way we could work together and they just would have none of it. Um, you know, and it's unfortunate because there are other seats around the country where we have been playing a more um, laid back approach, been more of a paper candidate in some mm. seats, uh, knowing that Labour probably has a better chance. And it's really unfortunate that in Whitney, that Labour hasn't done the same thing for us. Um, do you think that when the Labour Party say that 
oh, they can be the party of both remain and leave by uh, advocating for another referendum, but also going back and renegotiating uh, their own deal if they were to form the government. Do you think that that um, in some ways makes the public confused about the whole uh, the whole cause of remain? Because the Labour Party is saying, oh, well, we uh, want to uh, have a referendum and put it back to the people, but at the same time we want to uh, renegotiate uh, a new deal with Europe and then of course the, the Liberal Democrats there's the confusion over uh, whether to revoke directly or to have a referendum. Do you think that that a lack of sort of a, a, consist a consistent agreed uh, line from the parties that uh, support Remain or say that they support Remain is making it more difficult to get your message over uh, in comparison to the perhaps simpler message that Boris Johnson has of just passing his deal and, and getting on with Brexit. Yes, I agree. I do think it's sort of complicated the waters. Uh, it's been very clear from day one that Jeremy Corbyn is on the fence. And I don't think he has been a very good leader of the opposition. He mm. hasn't challenged the government nearly as much as he should have been doing. Um, and it's it's clear that, um, you know, he... Uh, represents more of a leave uh, campaign than a remain campaign. And I think it's very unfair to the the population um, in his constituency, as well as in other labor seats who did vote to remain. I, I think they're playing a very uh, silly game. And this is not a game. This is real life. People's lives are affected. This is we, we currently have frictionless borders, mm. which is tremendous. And I don't know why anyone would want to have friction at our borders, you know, it will affect so many of our imports and our exports. It, it's just, it's crazy. And I, I really think it's good that the Liberal Democrats have been clear. Now, I think we should have been consistent about the people's vote, which, you know, mm. we have been at every people's vote rally. Um, I did disagree with Joe about the revoke Article 50, but the, the position is still clear that the Liberal Democrats are the main party to stop Brexit, and we will do that by a people's vote. Hmm. And you mentioned uh, earlier that at the start of the campaign, uh, Joe Swinson said that uh, she would be the Liberal Democrats' candidate uh, to be Prime Minister. I mean, recently there's been um, a article in the Mirror where a um, old article of Boris Johnson's uh, was produced in which he said pretty offensive things about uh, working class people and um, said that single mothers were somehow irresponsible. And also today we've seen uh, reports for an old video of Jeremy Corbyn saying that uh, he believed that the BBC was biased in favour of the existence of Israel with um, leaders for both the Conservatives and Labour who have got such um, baggage, such um, negative uh, pasts why do you think the Liberal Democrats have not broken through as much as you would have hoped to have done at the start of the campaign? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, and you're absolutely right. I, I've seen uh, those articles um, and pieces from each leader of the opposition, the uh, Jeremy Corbyn and uh, Boris Johnson. And I think they're horrific. I, I really think they... Um, say things, you know, at the spur of the moment that they don't think these things through. And I really find it offensive what they're saying. They're, you know, they, they have no uh, right to say some of this stuff. Um, and it is very disappointing that the Liberal Democrats haven't been able to get more traction. And part of that is because we don't have um, 
proportional representation. This first-past-the-post is ridiculous. It doesn't help smaller or third parties succeed. It's it's the reason why we only there's only uh, one Green Party MP. Mm. Um, and again, you know, I'm I'm very fortunate in Whitney that the Green Party has decided to stand aside and work with my party. Um, to try to help me get elected. And, you know, I, I obviously want to see proportional representation so that we can get more uh, Liberal Democrats and Green Party members in the House of Commons. Um, do you think that the reason that perhaps we don't have proportional representation in this country is that when each of the two main parties, either uh, Labour or the Conservatives, have been in power, that there's been a sense that, oh, well, this would harm us therefore we're not going to um uh, introduce it and do you think that that in some way is an unfair balancing against uh, the smaller parties like the liberal democrats and uh, the greens yes i i do i think it it uh, they are the main ones that benefit by not having proportional representation and it's very unfortunate that they wouldn't um, be more open to having opposition. But again, <laughs> when you're in, in government, you don't really want to have that much opposition. Mm. But in a true democracy, you need to have real real opposition. Mm. Uh, now, I know in the uh, previous general election, um, you were involved in uh, you the campaign manager uh, for uh, Jamie Stone's uh, election in uh, Caithness, uh, Sutherland and East uh, Easter Ross. Easter Ross. Yeah, yeah. Easter Ross. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to make sure I didn't uh, pronounce yeah, it incorrectly. Yeah, no, that's right. fine. <laughs> um, uh, I wondered, how is it different working on a, a campaign like that where you're not the candidate as opposed to being the candidate? What sort of were the, are the main differences that um, you've, you've seen comparing these two experiences? Well, they've both been tremendous experiences and I'm very grateful um, and honoured to, to have had both roles. Um, that I, you know, did for working for Jamie Stone, which was great, and it was really nice. Uh, he he happened to be a family friend, so I know him pretty well. Um, but again, you're right; there are differences, kind of being more in the kind of um, when you're managing a campaign than when you are the candidate. And um, in a way, I think because of my past experience working for the party in different capacities, I kind of you know, grew into the role of being the candidate. So having done um, managerial role, having done research, all that um, elements of the campaign, I'm, I'm glad that I've been in the different roles that I'm now delegating people for. Mm. And two, because it's something, you know, I can say to them anything that I'm asking you to do, I have done myself. Mm. So it's very, it's, it's very humbling that I can say to people, look, I've done that and here's some tips so in a way, they are, there are some similarities that I can sort of give advice as well as take advice from others. Um, I suppose in a way, when you are the candidate, again, you are part of the brand of the political party. And I'm very proud to wear that brand. Um, the Liberal Democrats, I've been a consistent member for many, many decades now, oh. at least two decades. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it, I suppose you learn a lot about just um, being more front and center and, and again being like a spokesman for a brand hmm. uh, when you're the candidate so uh, there unless you've sort of unless again unless you know the candidate in previous elections really well it's hmm. hard to know what it's like um, 
And again, no campaign that I've ever worked on is the same. So I've definitely taken bits from all my campaigns and kind of put them together in a collage. So, mm. you know, I, I again, I just I'm very grateful to the party for putting their confidence in me. And it's a great opportunity for me to stand out for people. Um, what do you think are the main differences? Because obviously um, the uh, constituency uh, you're working with, James Stone, is in uh, Scotland and Whitney's in yep. uh, Oxford. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're, they're both pretty spread out, I'll be honest. <laughs> there, there are actually probably a lot of similarities, uh, which may or may not be surprising, um, if I can answer that first. Yeah, yeah, sure. um, in the sense that the geography of Cape Nassau and Easter Ross is obviously quite large. And it does require a lot of driving. But then again, so does Whitney uh, in West Oxfordshire. One doesn't think about that. But, you know, they're from getting, uh, you know, from Whitney to Tackley, it takes a good half an hour at least. Mm. Uh, so the distance is quite large um, in Whitney. And you have a lot of different villages. Uh, whereas I think in the Highlands, it was a little bit more central. You know, you've got big cities uh, and towns like Wick and Thurso that are a little bit more condensed. Mm. Um, than in Whitney. So I think that's something that I... But but again, there are still the struggles with public transport. There are still the struggles with the health and social care. Mm. Um, and and you, one wouldn't have thought, given how close we are, one to Oxford and two to London, mm. that one would see these problems as well as... Uh, so, for instance, in, in Caithness, um, if you are a new mother, you have to drive down two and a half hours to Inverness to mm. deliver your child. Um, now there in Whitney, there is the maternity ward, but if anything sort of goes wrong and you are encouraged more to go to the JR, mm. um, or if, if you have a doctor in London, obviously, you know, you can go to London, but it's just interesting that being one, you know, further South and closer to a bigger city, I wouldn't have thought that we would have had these problems. And it mm. makes me realize that clearly around the country, we are struggling to address our NHS needs, our public transport needs. And it surprises me that whether it's the SNP in Caithness or the Conservatives in Whitney, hmm. that they don't seem to address really these concerns of public transport and improving that so that we can be more connected. I mean, it is incredible how in the Bartons, when they lost uh, a stagecoach bus, that they, the community came together and created a community bus. Hmm. I think that community spirit is phenomenal, but again, it still needs funding. Hmm. And in Whitney, the conservative candidate is consistently saying, oh, we're going to expand the motorway, and which you've got a very congested motorway and a very congested A40 road here. Hmm. Expanding that is going to add more congestion. I and the Liberal Democrats would much rather see electric rail, mm. electric vehicles, um, and why not have a light rail from Whitney to Oxford mm. to get more cars off and also making sure that those communities that don't have bus service are connected. Mm. Because con if, if you're not connected, it will just increase loneliness and, and a lot of other negative aspects and I, I think it's very unfortunate but anyway that so those those are things that I found interesting that there would be similarities from places that are very uh, geographically um, you know separated mm. yeah. <laughs> but yet but yet at the same time um, have you know share a lot of similar concerns and problems was it quite surprising to see uh, some of the problems in Whitney given that 
until relatively recently, it was the seat of the Prime Minister. Was this something that shocked you quite a, a great deal? A little bit, uh, to be honest. Um, you know, and and when when people said to me that there's homelessness, uh, you know, that we have f- more food banks uh, popping up, mm. I'm glad in a way that we are being able to provide uh, food for the homeless mm. uh, and those who can afford it. But again, it did surprise me because here is a very conservative area that is not looking after all of society. And I think it's very, very unfortunate that we're not looking after citizens better. Um, we really should be. Um, and and as, you, as you pointed out, okay, yes, he was the prime minister, and yes, he will have had plenty of international responsibilities. But at the end of the day, he was also still an MP. Mm. And, and from what I gather, he was better than the previous uh, or, or the current uh, Robert Kortz. Mm. Um, that doesn't really say very much, but... <laughs> um, you're right. I think giving priority to your constituents and the constituency is very important and they should have done more. Uh, we, we really, in this day and age, we shouldn't be having so many food banks and soup kitchens. Although, as I said, I'm glad we have the resources to provide for people who can't afford food. But for a first world country, we really do need to be tackling this and taking it more seriously. Mm. Uh, how do you respond when... Some people, because of course the Liberal Democrats uh, from 2010 to 2015 were in coalition with the Conservatives. Some people were perhaps level uh, with you saying that, oh, well, the Liberal Democrats were as equally responsible uh, as the Conservatives for, you know, uh, supporting them, increasing poverty and all these sorts of things. How do you respond when um, people suggest things like that to you? Well, that's another good question. Um, And yes, to, to be fair, it was a very difficult decision to go for many of the Liberal Democrat MPs to go into the coalition. Um, What unfortunately uh, bothers me is that we didn't, we don't talk up about some of the stuff that we really did very well in Mm. coalition and some of the stuff that we sort of held the conservatives. We tried to hold them back in a way. Mm. Um, And again, it was, we made some mistakes um, in coalition. I'm very sure that we will not make that the same mistakes again. Um, Joe has been very clear that we will not go into coalition with the Tories again or mm. with Labour. Um, and what I, I say to that is I think it would be very good to have a Remain alliance. So if there are Remain MPs, be they Tory or Labour, I think that as a progressive alliance in Parliament, as an opposition, would be very strong. Mm. Uh, do you think then that um, perhaps maybe not uh, winning and forming the government should not be the Liberal Democrats' end, of course, state's end. Uh, but do you think that more emphasis should be put on working with those MPs who are uh, supportive of the Remain cause to ensure that if there is a hung parliament, uh, you would be able to form some form of government and get rid of the Conservatives that way? Do you think that that would be a, a better like... method of um, ins- ensuring that Brexit doesn't happen. Sort of like a progressive alliance government yeah. that yeah. yeah remain. Yeah, no, I think that would be a very good idea. Um, and again, a lot of it does go back to um, looking at where various parties have either stepped aside mm. or um, decided that they're not going to run because you know another remain um, candidate um, has a better chance. Mm. And I mean, I think. I think a lot of those negotiations were going on, but then the election was called and it was sort of like, okay, uh, ha- you know, foot on the brake, 
we have to make a very quick decision. Are you standing or, you know, and yeah. I think that's unfortunate because those relationships do take time to develop. And again, I'm very grateful to the Green Party in Whitney mm. uh, because I know how long those relationship discussions were going on for. Mm. Um, and I'm very grateful that and, and I've explained to them that I'm very happy to work with them if we get into parliament. So I, I guess I think it would be much better to have a more progressive alliance remain government than a Boris Johnson government. Um, do you think that if uh, there was a chance that the uh, Labour Party said that, oh, we will have we will have the referendum uh, and we will ensure that that gets passed as soon as possible, but you know we're not we're not the uh, we've not got a majority, but we've got a say a, a larger amount of seats than the Conservatives. Do you think that? In that situation, perhaps not going into government, but do you think in that situation, then the Liberal Democrats should support the Labour Party in ensuring that that gets passed through Parliament and that we do have uh, a second referendum? Well, I think I think it's very important that we have a second referendum. And I do think that we will uh, the the number of MPs that will go into Parliament in this next government and I mean in the next parliament season will be more remain MPs mm. and I think they will be able to carry through a people's vote referendum mm. uh, I'd just like to um, briefly uh, move on to something else I know that um, uh, uh, round about uh, the early years of the Obama administration you were working in uh, Washington I just wondered that as we have uh, the current president under uh, indictment <laughs> proceedings at the moment, uh, how you feel looking back on that time of the early years of the Obama administration? Do you think that we will be able to see uh, a future uh, president who has you know, similar aspirations and, and, and similar uh, hopes again in the United States? Again, very good question. Um, yes, I remember my time fondly when I was working for the House Majority Leader, um, Steny Hoyer. Um, it was a from I, I was lucky enough to actually go to the inauguration of Barack Obama, mm. and the spirit, the amount of peace and happiness and and hope that I I still remember when I was at the you know at the inauguration, everyone felt really optimistic and hopeful that we could have some new energy new you know because here was a fresh face someone you know had who hadn't really been uh around in sort of the traditional um political uh groupings mm. uh, as they say or families uh historical families and i think it was really it, he really gave people that sense of you know we can do this and i do think that it was very tough for him he had a very tough presidency it's certainly when the democrats lost um the house mm. Of representatives, uh, I think the current prime, uh, president of the United States is a complete buffoon, <laughs> um, and and I mean he shares a lot of traits with Boris Johnson, um, and I do think that the U.S. will come back from this. I think we will elect a new president, um, hopefully in the next election. Mm -hmm. um, I know that uh, former mayor. Um, Bloomberg has put his name into the race and mm -hmm. I think he seems like a very genuine individual. He, I hope he doesn't split the Democratic vote mm. uh, the way that Bernie Sanders did uh, with Hillary Clinton but uh, you know, someone like Michael Bloomberg who 
is able to he's taken on the National Rifle Association in the United States, which is probably one of the largest lobbying firms um, or organizations in the country of the United mm. States. <laughs> to really be able to take them on, it says quite a bit. Uh, because the gun lobby is just so powerful in the state. So I do think we, the U.S. will come back from, from Trump. Uh, we will look back at it as a very unfortunate uh, time in history. Um, but I'm optimistic that the U.S. will, will bounce back. Hmm. Uh, well, we're coming towards the end of the podcast. Thank you very much for uh, being on, Charlotte. It's been great to talk to you. Oh, thank you. I've, I'm very appreciative of the opportunity. Uh, and I'd just like to ask you uh, one final question. As this has been uh, dubbed a Christmas election, we are coming up uh, <laughs> to Christmas. Aside from winning Whitney, what would you like for Christmas? Well, I really would like to be able to tackle... Um, okay, for Christmas directly, obviously, I think if we can tackle climate change, uh, the climate emergency that we face, I really want to see people working together together. Uh, as I said, when I met with the Green Party in Whitney, they had some really great ideas. And I think I would like to see more communities working together, planting more trees. I was very mm. fortunate to plant a few trees myself uh, last weekend. I, I think if we can plant a few more trees, work together on addressing the amount of uh, greenhouse gas emissions that we're emitting, you know, really reduce that and, and work together. And, and I'd like to see more community spirit coming back. I know that's hard. That's a tough wish. But, you know, we've been through some rough times. I, I do hope that we don't leave the European Union because part of being in the European Union will help us resolve the climate emergency that we're facing. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to sound uh, too much like um, Miss America when I say world peace. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I really would just like to see more people getting along and working together and, and listening. I think that's that's a Christmas wish would probably be to see more people listen to each other. Well, I think that's a fantastic Christmas wish, and I'm one that I think myself and all of our listeners uh, would agree to. Thank you once again for coming Thank on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Don't forget that you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, or YouTube. You can follow us at Debated Podcast on Twitter, like us, Debated Podcast on Facebook. And if you want to email us, either about appearing or making a comment or reaction to the episode you've heard, or any other episodes, then email us, thedebatedpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. I hope you listen to the next one. Debated.